everybody lived in Chino, and I would go down there with drink a forty, drink a beer, and then get really high, and then mm-hmm. come back, and then by the time I got back here, everybody was like asleep, mm-hmm. right? So I'd like come home, little buzz, little high, and then I'd go grab a bowl mm-hmm. and I'd smoke outside with my dog, and then I'd come back in, lights are off, and I had it on my Fuck. DVR, and I'd put it on just like blitz. Then I remember one night. I'd seen it dozens of times already, yeah. and like I'm like super high, and I'm watching it, and then I think about because it come came out in 1982, and I'm like, what if this is like an allegory for like the AIDS epidemic? Like, it's uh-huh. a bunch of guys. This new like infectious thing comes in. Yeah. Nobody can trust each other, right? And like all this shit, and I was like, damn, that's fucking, that's pretty crazy. But it's yeah. is it? It I I don't think so. Because, I mean, it's based off a book, but... Hmm. Maybe it's an allegory for just, like, diseases, you know, like, in general, that, like, just mutate, like, with yeah. no, like, form. They just, you know, just, like, there's no real rhyme or reason to it. Yeah. That's what I was thinking when I was watching it. I was like, how, the like, each time it turns into the thing, it's not like the one before. Yeah. It's like a brand new thing. Yeah, yeah. Each time. It's... And when things pop out they just pop out in their own weird way yeah, like, and they're like they're just adapting to like whatever is around it but um let's uh let's you ready to go let's do it all right uh well then let's play it again man you must remember this Coming to get you, Barbara. What an excellent day for an exorcism. They're here. Here's Johnny. <laughs> you know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare, huh? All right, everybody. We are here. I'm here back. Jason is back with us this week. Yeah. Very excited about this one. I'm doing one of my... It's actually my second favorite horror film of all time and one of my favorite films of all time. We're doing John Carpenter's 1982, The Thing. Um, You guys voted for it, and here it is. So, this movie was released, like I said, in 1982 on June 25th. It opened to really, really bad reviews Mm. and did not make a lot of money. had a budget of $15 million and only made $19.5 million. Part of the reason why that is is because it opened up against E.T., so everybody was going to the theater to watch a very lovable little alien. Nice that, alien. Yeah. And, um, yeah, people just really didn't like this movie when it first came out. But obviously it's a classic now, and a lot of people hold it to be one of the best, if not horror films, but uh, sci-fi horror films of mm-hmm. all time. So let's start at the beginning, as we always do, and talk about where we were when we first saw this movie. Yours is probably pretty quick and easy, so yeah. just give us a little brief it, rundown. Yeah, a few years ago... Like I said, probably on your recommendation, I want to say, and I just looked for it on one of the streaming services and watched mm-hmm. it, and instantly I was like, "Fuck, man! Like, why did it take so long to watch this?" You know? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's a fucking great movie. So, like, your initial reaction was like, "Oh shit, this is bad." Yeah, and I was at no point was I like, you know, not oh this is lame. Yeah, yeah. You know, no. Yeah, I, no, I can't. Awesome. I can't imagine. I I have experienced some people that that um i showed it to them and they like didn't yeah. quite get it but we'll get into that in a little while 
So for me, this is a movie that I remember seeing coming on like AMC and stuff like growing up mm-hmm. around Halloween time and come on. I think I remember my dad renting it and watching it and I had seen parts of it and thought it looked cool, but I was never just really, really that into it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I think in high school, towards the end of junior high, high school is when I started to like really look at if I saw a movie and I really liked it, like first off, like I was like, all right, who directed this movie? And then I would look and be like, oh, okay, this person directed this movie, so I'm going to go watch more of their movies. So by the time I was in high school, I know who John Carpenter is because of Halloween. I'm a huge Halloween fan. And then uh, I find out he directs this movie, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch this movie. I'm going to actually put it on, sit down, and watch it. And I watch it, and I am, like, just fucking blown away. Not only is it, not only is it, like, I mean, the visual effects in this movie, they're all practical effects. They're fucking awesome. Like, they, they, a lot of them still really hold up to this day. And on top of that, just the sheer, like, terror I felt, like, Mm. From being, like, this movie creates, like, this whole feeling of isolation, of claustrophobia, of paranoia. And I remember just feeling that right away when I saw it. And then I have a thing where if I see a movie and I like it, I just start watching it over and over and over oh, and yeah. over again. So um, I I didn't own it for a long time. I remember I had it on my DVR. And uh, I was telling you about this. I would, I would go down to... A friend's house because all my friends lived in the same city i would go down there we would drink smoke a little weed and then i would come home late at night uh everybody's asleep my 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 mom and my sisters are asleep and then i would go outside with my dog smoke a joint or a bowl come back in and play this thing on my dvr and just fucking just watch this so many times and every time just watching it like that high with that amount of nobody's mm-hmm. bothering me, the lights are off, and just watching it, it just gave me like so many like different feelings and different ideas about the movie and how how it was made. So um, this is it, it. Quickly became one of my all time favorite movies uh, ever. So. Did you ever look at your dog different in those moments? Uh, there's certainly definitely times <laughs> where like I would sit there and he, he he's like doing something weird and then I'm like look and I'm just so high that I'm like yeah wait a second <laughs> <laughs> no uh, nah I don't think I could kill my dog like that he would have to just even eat, if he, he turned he would, he would just eat me oh dude <laughs> yeah so that's, uh, that's where we first were when we first saw this movie so. Let's go a little bit into how the movie was made, where it came from, and and uh, how it came to be, and how it you know gained its fandom afterwards. So, like we said, the movie was released in 1982. It's actually a remake, mm. technically. It's based off a book written by John W. Campbell that was written in 1938 called "Who Goes There." Okay. And after watching this movie over and over again, I was like, okay, I want to go out. I want to read this book. So I ordered it. I got it, and I was reading it, and this movie is pretty pretty close to how that movie plays out. I was telling you earlier, so in this film, there's, I think, like nine or ten of them on, on the mm-hmm. out- research outpost. In the book, there's like 35 people there, and I think there's some women there, too. Mm-hmm. So they're they're like in a research facility, and then... In the book, I believe there's no other camp because you know in this movie the the Norwegians find it. Mm-hmm. In the in the book, I believe if my memory serves me correctly, 
they they find the thing and they find it in the block of ice and the way it's described i remember it's so weird it's like it's got blue like blue skin and a bunch of red eyes and a bunch of red hairs mm. and like even before they thaw it out like something inside it like when you're looking at it it puts you kind of like in a trance and people like mm. start getting paranoid right away and then also one thing that i always found interesting in that book is they talk about even if you are a thing, you don't know that you're a thing. So you think you're a normal person, and until you're like pushed to the edge and the thing has to come out, like you don't you don't know oh, at fuck. all. That's worse. Um, and and like the whole the whole thing goes on for like months at a time, like and like one by one they all get fucking taken out. Um, and I was reading earlier. I don't remember this is how the book ends, but apparently they succeed and they last the winter and then they kill all the things and then they they go on i i'd have to read it again i don't remember mm. exactly but that's the book it's a really fun read it's super short it's a novella it's like only like 200 pages so if any of you guys are interested you like this movie and you want to know more like you know the thoughts of the characters and everybody um what's going on in their head the book's a, a nice read it's are, a it's an easy read the names are different though right because there's less people some of the names are the same mm. some of the names are different um the way the characters are described are obviously a little bit different because you know just actors uh actors you know change characters change for the the actors that play them so yeah. like we said um that's the book and when it comes to being a remake Howard Hawks made a movie in 1951 called The Thing from Another Planet. And that one is loosely based on the book. It's n not anywhere close to as good or, you know, as loyal to the to the book, it, uh, what the book is. Um, I've seen it. It's not bad. It's like a cool little B movie, like, from back in the day. It's, it's, it's pretty fun. But, yeah, so then this movie, production starts, I think, in, like, the late 70s. The two producers, David Foster and Lawrence Truman, they pick up the rights to it and they want to remake this movie, but they want to make it more accurate to um, how the book is. They don't want to make it like the Howard Hawks movie. Mm -hmm. So it goes through a few different uh, writers. They finally end up on Bill Lancaster, who um, didn't originally want to do it because he thought it was going to, they were trying to do like the Howard Hawks version. But when they explained the, the, their like version to him, he was like, okay, I'm on board. They write it. Um, John Carpenter comes on to direct it. <clears throat> the studio originally wasn't going to give them that much money, but John Carpenter had success with Halloween and with the, uh, with the fog recently. So they actually shelled out, I think the original budget for the movie was like $12 million, which is like the most any big production company ever gave to... Um, any horror movie because horror movies just usually don't have that big of a mm -hmm. big of a um budget but yeah they they hired everybody on the casting went seemed pretty crazy so apparently you know kurt russell's a star of this movie and he had worked with john john carpenter before on a couple other projects uh escape from new york and some other stuff um and he was helping john carpenter get everything ready for this movie and he was actually the last person that they casted they actually started filming like b team stuff before they landed on kurt russell to play the mm -hmm. role of mccready and i thought i thought it was interesting i had no idea they were looking at um christopher walken to play him jeff bridges which i could kind of see yeah later on they were looking at nick nolte 
Ed Harris, and one that I was like, okay, I could kind of, I could see this for sure. Uh, Tom Berenger from like, oh yeah, for Platoon sure. and Major League and everything. Yeah. I could totally see Tom Berenger playing this part. For Childs, is played by Keith David. They were looking at Carl Weathers, which would have been okay. I I can't see Carl Weathers like even though he's in Predator, that movie seems a lot more silly to me than yeah this movie. So I don't know if I could see that. Uh, John Carpenter was also looking at Isaac Hayes. To play him, because uh, Isaac Hayes is in Escape from New York. He plays the Duke. <laughs> um, and uh, also, Ernie Hudson was looked at. He, he plays fucking uh, Winston in, in the Ghostbusters movies. Oh, okay. So we're looking at him as well. The character of Blair, the Dr. Blair that goes crazy, they wanted Jack Palance to play him. Jack Palance is a very prolific older actor. He's in a bunch of westerns. But our generation probably knows him best as Curly from... Fucking city slickers, and he also plays uh, one of the mob bosses in Tim Burton's uh, Batman movie. But they thought that he was more of a recon- too much of a recognizable star because they wanted Blair to go missing and the audience not to mm-hmm. to um, really look for him while he was gone. And then like the character of Palmer, the fucking like pothead dude or whatever, because he had like comedic lines or whatever they were actually they brought in several comedians to read for the part so like one was jay leno oh i'm like dude i that would have been awful it would have been absolutely awful hey yeah yeah have you heard about this have you seen this and then another one's gary shanneling which i don't uh gary shanneling is a very famous comedian he had a show called the larry sanders show for a long time um he's big in the comedy scene he's he's a funny dude he died recently um yeah, I think after they realized the tone of the movie, they were like, no, let's just get somebody who can, you know, say a little quip here and there, but not necessarily a comedian. Because yeah. that's one thing that stands out to me about this movie. I feel like everybody reacts to what's going on here, oh, yeah. like how people would react. It's yeah. a little unbelievable. It's absolutely terrifying. And like, maybe you crack a joke, but you really quickly come back to reality and mm-hmm. understand like you're in grave danger right shooting took place on the universal lot and also in Juneau, alaska so for all their exteriors they shot in Juneau, alaska so what i was reading in my research is that um they actually had to drive up a windy ass road for like an hour to get to the sets where they were filming and at one point the bus with the crew on it slid to this embankment with like a 500 foot drop so the whole crew almost died and then the day before they started filming uh keith david broke his left hand and uh for a large portion of the movie they don't show his left hand because it was wrapped up in a bandage Mm. and i read that before we watched it and i was like oh shit i never noticed that they did it really well but i was like looking at it now there's Mm -hmm. parts where he's just like got his hand behind his back or like to his side or something like that but yeah they filmed all that stuff there the music was done by Eno Marconi which is super duper famous for um a lot of his a lot of his scores and I thought it was interesting because John Carpenter usually does his own music in his movies yeah but uh I guess he just didn't want to pass up a chance to work with him and I think the score is really really good and we could talk a little bit about that there's every time something goes wrong especially right before the like the the dog kennel scene mccready like sets the alarm off and it makes this Mm -hmm. and traditionally how people would do the scores like the movie's being filmed and then they send 
the movie to the composer and then they watch it and then they right and then in the score you have that dun 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 like so for me in my head i was like i wonder if he was inspired by that alarm sound going to like make his to yeah. make his score or whatever but yeah that uh that's pretty much how the the production went they filmed it i think they finished in about eight weeks or so and then from there they started cutting the film together and like i said when it came out people did not like this movie it really really took a a beating um from the critics audiences didn't like it they had a lot of nasty things to say about it and then it didn't become super duper popular until years later with vhs releases and dvd releases and started growing a huge fan base and like i said now it's considered one of the best sci-fi horror movies of all time if not one of the best horror movies of all time that's a great great fucking movie so we can move on to the cast now obviously john carpenter directed this movie and we just got to talk a little bit about him because when we talked about wes craven on the scream episode it's just really important these this is another guy like wes craven who carved out a path for himself and not only did that for himself but created characters like michael myers that just stood the test of time and and the the tropes that are being made fun of in scream and other slasher movies they come from Mm -hmm. halloween so john carpenter is a big proponent of like trying to finance his own shit trying to like he's very like how we were talking about robert rodriguez where he just kind of like does shit and 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 um, get stuff done on his own. So he does, you know, Halloween, and it makes a shitload of money. Um, and then he's tied to do the sequel after that. And then, you know, he starts getting to make movies the way he wants to. He does Escape from New York, and he works with Kurt Russell on that one. He does The Fog. He brings Jamie Lee Curtis back in for that one. And um, he just, even after that, he continuously makes movies throughout the rest of the 90s. And he's just a horror icon, and I think he deserves a lot of praise. And uh, if you aren't that familiar with his work, apart from Halloween and The Thing, I encourage you to go look for other good stuff. There's a lot of Hmm. not great stuff. Uh, We talked a little, I think when we were talking about Tombstone, we talked about Escape from L.A. Yeah. Escape from L.A. is ridiculously bad but i i like it for some reason i don't yeah, know i, I just too. i just like it um Cuervo jones <laughs> yeah. is one of the greatest villain names ever uh dude i just like that part where that girl's like oh i think everything's gonna be all right and then just immediately gets shot in the back <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's a lot there's a lot of fluff out there but he has some great great movies the fog is a nice little horror movie that he did at the end of the 70s Obviously, Halloween and Halloween 2 is really good. Another great um, corny sci-fi movie that he does in the 80s is They Live. Um, oh, if, I haven't seen that. Yeah, if you know the brand Obey and you see like the alien pictures on there, that brand is built from that movie um, They Live, which he, he did with Rowdy Roddy Piper and Keith David. Um, it's oh, a, uh, this guy from work was telling me about that. Yeah, it's a, it's an awesome movie. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. It's It's insane. But it's it's a really really fun movie. So yeah, I encourage you to go out. I also like Vampires, which James I was just Woods gonna say. It. I love yeah. that movie. Um, it's Ghost of Mars. Ghost of Mars. We were talking about earlier. That's another ridiculous Fucking one. Ice but... Cube, man. I'm Mars, baby. Yeah, maybe we'll do that movie one day, dude. <laughs> 
But uh, yeah, John Carpenter, just one of the greats, all-time great directors. So moving on, we got Kurt Russell. And, you know, we talked a lot about Kurt Russell in the Tombstone podcast, so we don't really have to go too much into his career, but I just want to talk about him in this movie a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I was surprised to find out that he was, like, one of the last people cast, but um, him in this movie... When we talked about it, I was like, oh, he's always R.J. McCready to me. Mm-hmm. He's just so fucking, like, we, like you called it out when we were watching it. He's like, damn, like, was he ex-military or something? Because he just seems to take charge mm-hmm. and just fucking really, really in control of the whole situation. And I don't know, in the in the book, I remember it being a lot similar to that, but he... His performance in this movie, you kind of just believe, like, nobody else there, apart from maybe, like, Childs would want to take control of the situation. Like, they even, Gary even gives, they're like, oh, Norris, do you want to be in charge? He's like, no, no, yeah. I'm, I'm not up to it. Yeah. And McCready's just, he, he, he steps in front of Childs and is like, oh, no, I think somebody more level-headed should be in, mm-hmm. like, in control. And Kurt Russell just gives you that feeling, like, the whole time... Even when he's panicked, even when things are going wrong, you kind of get the feeling from him and his character that he he knows how to pivot and he knows how to fucking just work with what the situation yeah. is giving him. Yeah, I think I think he's just amazing in this in this role. Uh, it came at a time when he was transitioning from you know trying to get more notoriety for being a serious actor as opposed to what he was when he was a child a fucking disney star and everything Mm -hmm. and i think this role kind of solidifies that because even um in escape from new york is kind of corny he's like doing a bad clint eastwood uh Mm -hmm. type type thing oh another movie i forgot with him and him and john carpenter which is one of my favorite movies ever uh big trouble in little china Mm. that movie is fucking amazing um so go watch that movie too, but yeah, he's just he's just really really awesome in this movie because you could play co- like goofy corny type shit, but in this one you really get the you really get the intensity that the role calls for because this situation is fucking terrifying yeah. and at no a steal at no point does he seem like he's kind of out of control in this situation. No, and uh, yeah, I think that's why the rest of the characters like look to him for you know, for leadership and stuff. So next up we got Keith David, which I growing up I used to see him in a bunch of stuff. And the voice is so fucking iconic, you know? Oh, yeah. Um and it wasn't until I started watching this. There there are certain actors that like I see them around for so long and some of them become super famous. One of them um for me was Sam Rockwell. Like when I saw him in certain movies before mm-hmm. he like got his Oscars and a bunch of other stuff, I was like, who is this guy? Yeah. I need to know this guy's name. I looked it up. So for me, when I started watching this movie, and I was like really, really liking it, and I knew I had seen Keith David and a bunch of other stuff, I was like, oh, now I have to figure out who, what this guy's name is, and I have to remember it, because if he ever passes, God forbid, or like when he mm-hmm. does or anything, I want to be able to be like, I know who that guy is, I like him, yeah, and all that stuff. So, you know, Keith David is famous from this, he's also in the movie I was talking about, um, They Live, mm-hmm. he's in that with Rowdy Roddy Piper, and un knowingly when i was a kid i used to love him as goliath in the gargoyles he does the voice for that and he's done a lot a lot of voiceover work he's got a very iconic voice he played spawn in the hbo series 
He is in the Mass Effect video games. I think he used to do the ads for like the Navy and shit. And yeah, he's just he's he's a great actor. He he joined the cast of the last season of Community. He could be funny. He's in something about Mary. He's fucking hilarious in that movie. Dead Presidents. Dead Presidents, like we were talking about mm-hmm. earlier. He's great in that movie. He's just he's just a an awesome guy, and I feel like he could kind of play like any type of movie. Dude, he's hilarious in uh, um, the Nice Guys. Oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot he's in that movie. Yeah. Dude, yeah, he's he's dude, he's great, and he could kind of just fit into any movie. So after that, the cast gets a little thin because these people we yeah. haven't seen them in too many things. But we have the Doctor Blair, who's played by Wilford Brimley. This is the only thing I've seen him in. I think, like we were talking about, I think he's in Walker Texas Ranger. I think so. Um, mm-hmm. And then also, if you guys ever seen the commercial with the old guy, and he's like, "I've got diabetes." <laughs> That's uh, that's a Wilford Brimley. Also, real quick, yeah, I gotta say this one because this is one of my favorite movies okay. growing up, right. and was also in that crate of VHSs that my dad brought from who knows where. Yeah, it was Hard Target. Oh, he Van plays John Claude Van Damme's uncle <laughs> in that movie. I fucking love that movie. Oh, dude. It's one of my favorite Jean-Claude Van Damme he's movies. Fucking Jean-Claude Van Damme's uncle. Yeah, that's what they're selling us. Great. It's fucking great, and he's like super Cajun in that movie. He's got a French accent, and does he really? I haven't yeah. seen Hard Target in so yeah. long. And he makes is moonshine. That, is, is that the one where 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 Van Damme's got the gnarly mullet? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he like beats those dudes up in front of that chick in the convertible. Yep. Yeah, yeah. dude. Uh, oh, I haven't seen it in so long. They they honored Walter Brimley on. A show that I really love that you should watch. It's called Yellowstone. Oh yeah. How, end, how did they honor him? They put for Walter Brimley. Did they really? Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, he, was... I guess he passed away last year. Yeah, so. he he died just yeah. recently. After that, I mean, I don't I don't want to gloss over this cast. Um, like I said, we haven't seen everybody else in too many things. Yeah. But the thing about like I just want to emphasize is that regardless of whether you've seen these people and a bunch of other stuff or not, mm-hmm. everybody in this movie is really fucking good yeah because like we said they're they they react to this situation as like close to any situation like in any other horror movies i feel like it's kind of like jarring or like it's a little underdone or a Mm -hmm. little over the top or something this movie like everything creeps on you so slowly and then things start to fall apart really quickly after that everybody is just on on point all the time and it's, it's just really good so that's just to say, you know, we're going to go through the cast a little bit quick, but, you know, that, that's... Uh, Especially their reaction when they're all tied in the chairs. Dude, that's... that's of, yeah, when we get to, like, our awesome. rewatchable scenes, dude. Yeah. The way they're reacting there. Like, that shit's ridiculous. All right. So after Wal- uh, Wilford Brimley, um, we have David Clennon, who played Palmer, the, the hippie guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's got a couple little funny lines in there, and he ends up being a thing later on in the movie. So... He plays Palmer. Donald Maffitt, who plays Gary, who I think he's one of the people in the movie that, like, his, like the look on his face, like the terror, like after fucking Bennings, like they burned Bennings out on mm-hmm. in the in the snow. The look of terror on his face is, like, is so believable. He's just so confused and so distraught. It's, it's really good. Then we got T.K. Carter, who plays Nalls. Um, who is I think the cook? I'm pretty yeah. sure because he he's he's always in the kitchen, always on his rollerblades. 
Then we have Richard Masser, who plays Clark, who's the dog lover, and ends up getting shot in the head by McCready. He's been in a few other things that people might know. Uh, he's in My Girl 2. Yeah. And he's also in My Girl. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, he's one of the friends, I think. Licensed to Drive. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember him now. Damn, that's crazy. I didn't even know that was the same guy. Also, we got Richard Dysart, who plays Dr. Cooper. Thomas G. Waits, who plays Windows. The only thing else that I've seen Windows in is he plays the Fox in The Warriors. The movie The Warriors. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he, he in that movie, um, I'm pretty sure we'll do that movie eventually, but uh, I guess he didn't get along with the director very much, and mm-hmm. he thought he was like kind of the star of that movie. So he gets abruptly killed by getting thrown off a fucking, like, subway station. Gets hit by the train. Yeah, and he's, like, not in the rest of the movie. But I guess he was supposed to be in a lot more of the movie and then just ended up not being there. And then we got Charles Hallahan, who plays Vance Norris. Got Peter Maloney, who plays George Bennings. And we got Joe Polis, who plays Fuchs. And then that's pretty much the whole cast there that we went through. There's a couple other people, the Norwegians, and but they, you know, they're only in the first scene, so it's not that big a deal. One thing before we get to the most rewatchable scenes, I gotta call out Richard Botton, who did the practical effects for this movie. Mm-hmm. We were talking about it, and there there are some scenes that, you know, it's the '80s, it's a little janky, doesn't look real, mm-hmm. but there are certain scenes that you watch in here. Um, particularly the one where Norris's head is coming off. Oh, yeah. Like, the way they lit it and the way the effects are made, it looks fucking insane. Yeah. It looks really, really good. And ter- and terrifying watching this. I can imagine um, for the first time being a little kid or something. Oh, it would yeah. just be so fucking creepy, so scary. And I think for people, I mean, people voted for this movie, so I'm assuming they've seen it, but... Just to give a little insight about the movie, um, there's these researchers on in Antarctica, and they come across an alien, a shape-shifting alien, and it can duplicate people like perfectly, or any organism really perfectly. So you get these great, great setups um, of practical effects where people's limbs are coming off, um, half made dogs are coming out and it just it just plays really really well for like a creature feature and it's it's yeah super duper dope so yeah anyway let's get into our play it again man scenes as they are as we call them here did you write anything down for those ones yeah um the one that we both looked at each other and agreed on was uh it's real short but benning's screech oh yeah freak out his hands and shit yeah like that whale that he fucking lets out is just so like fucking makes your hair the hair on your neck yeah stand up it's i fucking, couldn't it's, imagine hearing that in real life like, there there are a lot of realizations in this movie um and a lot of like people reacting and then a lot of mccready saying like what's going on mm-hmm. a little bit of explanations and stuff so obviously the dogs show up and the Norwegians are chasing it. They try to kill the dog, but they blow themselves up. So they have to go to... They want to find out what the fuck happened. So they they have to go to the Norwegian camp. And then McCready goes with the doctor. That was the first one that I had. Just because, I mean, it's, it's a little uneventful. Mm-hmm. Because it's just them and they're just exploring. But 
when you're watching it, you're kind of having the same experience as them. It's like, first of all, why are those like if you've never seen it, um, why the fuck were those people trying to kill this dog, mm-hmm. that dog, and like what the fuck happened to them? So when they go back there, like they're searching the places, like the 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 doors and the walls are blown in, it's all frozen over, and then copper calls mccready and he's like come over here and then they look and it's a dude sitting in a chair frozen completely and then you see his wrists are sliced with the fucking like straight blade razor Mm -hmm. and all the blood is frozen down he like bled out just Mm -hmm. froze and then they show his neck and his fucking neck is slit right open and they're just like what the fuck happened yeah they find the tapes they put them all together and then they find the big block of ice and there's a big ass chunk of it missing from the middle of it. So they're like, something was in this thing. Mm-hmm. What the fuck was it? And then they find that like morphed, like two people in one thing outside. And they're like, what the fuck? And they decide to take that shit back with them to the camp so that Blair can do an autopsy on it. So they bring it back. Everybody's standing around this thing. It's, you could tell like it's still hot and it's mm-hmm. steaming. You kind of like get the idea of fucking stinks. And then they tell Blair, like, hey, like, do an autopsy on this thing. Like, figure out what the fuck this shit is. That shit's gnarly. That scene. when he, The the two autopsy scenes yeah. are fucking crazy. Yeah. It's, yeah, you get a really good look at this thing. You get the two faces that are, like, yeah. split sideways. Um, and it just looks, it, it looks so gnarly. Like, I would never want that thing to be in the same vicinity that i'm that i'm in at all so um after that i wrote down the um the dog kennel scene yeah um the dog that was being chased by the norwegians has been walking around the camp all day it brushes fuchs's uh no it brushes benny's leg who he got shot earlier on by one of the norwegians so he's like oh what the fuck put that thing in the fucking kennel or whatever so clark Takes the dog to the kennel. The dog is very, very apprehensive about going. Um, oh, and before this happens, the dog's roaming around camp the whole time. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene where, and apparently this dog really did this. It wasn't on, on cue or anything. The dog's supposed to, they were supposed to have the dog come out and be at the end of the corridor and then walk down the hallway like a little slow. So the dog does this great fucking performance. He walks through the corridor. There's a door open to his right. He stops, looks in the door, and then looks down the hallway again, and then keeps going because obviously nobody's in there. And then he walks up to the next door on his left, and then he looks inside, and he goes in. And then you see somebody's shadow sitting there, and they turn around, and they Mm -hmm. see the dog. So right away, without us knowing exactly what's going on, you know the dog was alone with somebody. So somebody could be the thing already. Right. So then... Like we said, we go to the dog kennel scene. Um, the dog's apprehensive of going in. I think it's because the thing senses that the dogs might know yeah. that it's a thing. So Clark puts it in there. He leaves it. And immediately the dog starts hissing and making all sorts of noises. And then the dogs, the real dogs in the kennel, start going fucking nuts. Yeah. Um, and right away, this thing, the dogs, the thing's dogs, its face breaks open. <sighs> And all this fucking crazy ass shit starts happening. So Norris hears the dogs barking. Or not Norris. Clark hears the dogs uh, barking. Comes back in. And he's like, what the fuck is going on? And then it cuts to McCready who's like trying to open a beer. And then he could hear the dogs. And he immediately fucking breaks the alarm. The alarm goes off. Tells um, Bennings to get uh, Childs to get the flamethrower. And it's like, wait, 
what, you want the flamethrower? What do you want mm-hmm. that? Just fucking get it. Mm-hmm. They go in there. They all start fucking shooting the fucking the thing inside there. And then Childs finally shows up. And he's like, dude, torch it, torch it. And Childs it's like doesn't know what he's looking at. Yeah. He's just like, what <laughs> the fuck? And it's not until that thing like r- rips open and tries to attack him that he just lights it up. Yeah. Burns that fucking thing. And then because they don't know that the cells survive even when they're burnt, um, they put it out really, really quickly. Yeah. So that's the dog kennel scene, and it's pretty, pretty Fuck. gnarly. There's crazy, crazy animatronics, and like I think there's like some stop reverse stop motion stuff in there. Mm. It's just a bunch of stuff mixed in, and it's fucking out. It's it's crazy. It looks gnarly. So immediately after that, um, they do this the second autopsy, and Blair explains to them what this is and what they're dealing with. You see, what we're talking about here is an organism that imitates other life forms, and it imitates them perfectly. When this thing attacked our dogs, it tried to digest them, absorb them, and in the process, shape its own cells to imitate them. This, for instance. That's not dog. It's imitation. We got to it before it had time to finish. It's a creature that can assimilate other organisms mm-hmm. perfectly. And he's like, oh, you see this? That's not a dog. That's this thing trying to absorb the dog, trying to imitate them and everything. Yeah. Um, and then they want more news, so they tell Blair, like, keep working on it. Like, just figure out what this thing is. Next up, I had uh, the It's Bennings part. Um, so, like, like you said, so... They store the carcass in a fucking storage room or whatever. Windows is like, dude, we should just burn these things, Mm -hmm. whatever. And Bennings is like, no, it's the final of the century. It's going to get somebody the Nobel Prize. And he leaves them in the room and he comes back. And I love the fact that he says it's Bennings. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, it it could be taken a few different ways. Like, oh, like, they don't ask what's wrong, but he comes out. If somebody said, oh, what's wrong? And you could be like, it's Bennings. Like, you got to come help him. But unprovoked, he says, it's Bennings. Like, mm-hmm. the thing is Bennings. Yeah. Because he sees him getting taken over. And then they all fucking chase him out into the snow. And you see him bent over. And then, like, Gary goes to, like, because Gary's his friend. Gary goes to, like, grab him. And then somebody tackles Gary. And they're like, no, get the fuck away from him. Get the fuck mm-hmm. away from him. And then you see Bending, like, sit up, and then you see his fucking hands, and they're all, like, gnarly, disformed hands and everything. And then you get that god-awful cry, and just, like, we were talking about when we were sitting there, just like, all right, nope, I'm done, I'm done. Like, I would burn everything at that point, all this shit. Meanwhile, like, so McCready throws a kerosene down, lights that motherfucker on fire, and he's like, all right, we gotta fucking burn the rest of them. And we have to figure out who's who. We have to figure out who's the thing. And meanwhile, this whole time, Blair is going nuts because he's running these tests. Mm-hmm. And he does a test to find out like, who in the group. He, he runs a test and it says, like, oh, possibility that one or more of the people in the camp are infected, mm-hmm. 75%. And then he does a analysis of if this thing reaches the mainland oh, yeah. how long would it take for the entire world population to get taken over and it says like twenty seven thousand hours yep. and i think that equates to like something like three years almost um which 
it's crazy because this is almost like a um, invasion of the body snatchers type mm-hmm. scenario, uh, but in an entirely different like monster type thing. In that movie, there's like pods and shit, but this one, I think it moves a lot quicker. This and one it happens so fast. Yeah, and yeah. The city, the city would be overnight. Yeah, it, yeah, it'd be in- instant. It's fucking insane. Um, but yeah, so um, definitely the part before uh, Blair like destroys all the i think it's actually no i think it's after blair destroys everything and they lock him up in the in the i, I love that scene where mccready's talking to them about everything when, when, when blair is destroying everything and saying how no oh, yeah, nobody's yeah, leaving yeah, here. yeah 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 we, we, so so blair blair goes nuts because he realizes yeah. that mm-hmm. you know um people are probably infected Most of the chopper and the tractor. And he's killed the rest of the dogs. Gary, wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh, child, go around to the map room door. Talk to him. Get a table from the lab. You think that thing wanted to be an animal? No dogs make it a thousand miles to the coast. Okay, Blair. Come on, man. You don't want to hurt anybody. I'll kill you. They're they're all outside because he's got a gun and he's just fucking ranting about like, <laughs> oh, you think that thing wanted to be a dog? No dog would make it a thousand miles to the coast. That thing wanted to be us and just fucking breaking the radio and everything. He's yeah, so that, that scene's good. And then yeah. yeah, Childs comes in the hallway like you don't want to shoot anybody. Boom, boom, boom. like shit. Shoot it. I'll kill you. And then fucking McCready with the fucking little plywood yeah. table. And, and she he, goes straight through. And he doesn't even do it with the blunt end of the axe. He does it with like the pointy yeah. ass side. Just, and man, yeah, they have to knock him out. Yeah, no, that's that's good. But so yeah, right after that, when they lock Blair up in the shed outside, mm-hmm. McCready gives this whole speech that he's like, oh, you know. I know I'm human. If you were all these things, then you'd just attack me right now. So some of you are still human. This thing doesn't want to show itself. It wants to hide inside an imitation. It'll fight if it has to. But it's vulnerable out in the open. If it takes us over, then it has no more enemies. Nobody left to kill it. And then it's won. There's a storm hitting us in six hours. We're going to find out who's who. And then they go inside and they do that. So, like, that whole, that whole, like, spiel that he does there, I think is, it just, it just heightens the tension. And that's when everybody's coming, like, that's when everything that everybody's been thinking is starting to get said out loud. Yeah. Um, And it just raises it. That's that scene. They decide that they have to figure out, you know, we have to figure out a test for this, so they decide to test the blood, and they find out that the blood's been missing, so then they fucking drug up the doc and, and Clark and everybody else, 
but yeah, that's that's that scene. The next scene after that, I think, um, is when Norris passes out and mm-hmm. they're like gonna operate on him. So they had drugged the doctor, they had tied him up, but it, time has passed, and um, <laughs> they untie the doc, and then they're he's doing like fucking like. Uh, cpr on him but it's not working so he's like oh give me the defibrillator oh my God, that's so he dude. like shocks him one time and nothing happens he's like all right let's do it again clear and he puts the, the pads on him his hands go through the dude's chest and then the chest have teeth <laughs> so crazy. the chest have teeth and they and like his whole like like chest cavity closes up and rips that dude's arms off and so in that in that scene apparently uh, uh they made a mask they molded the uh, cooper's face the actor that played cooper they molded his face, and then they got an amputee guy with with no arms oh, at the elbows, and they put the mask on him. So they cut to him really quick, and he's just like, <laughs> and then his arms his arms are off. Oh, uh, so yeah, then we find out Norris was one of the things, um, and then that monster starts fucking going crazy. It spits out of his out of his torso and is on the ceiling and everything, and then McCready instantly just lights it up. And then the fucking head starts coming off. Yeah. Uh, and the head s- stretches off. There's all this goo and all these veins that are coming out of it. And then it falls off the table. And they're not paying attention to it because they're just looking at the rest of the body fucking on fire. And they're all in awe. And then they finally put it out. And then they hear the thing crawling away. And then McCready sees it. And he lights that one up. And that's where he gets the idea for the blood sample test. Yeah. Which is, I think, the next most rewatchable scene spider head yeah it's 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 fucking gnarly um so yeah that leads us leads us definitely into uh the blood test scene which is such a great like because i don't think that's in the book at all and whoever came up with that idea is that's really good Mm -hmm. um because mccready realizes that every single little tiny speck of this thing is a life form all on its own we're going to draw a little bit of everybody's blood. Because we're going to find out who's the thing. Watching Norris in there gave me the idea that maybe every part of him was a whole. Every little piece was an individual animal with a built-in desire to protect its own life. You see, when a man bleeds, it's just tissue. No blood from one of you things won't obey when it's attacked. It'll try and survive. It'll crawl away from a hot needle, say. So he he comes up with the idea that if he grabs everybody's blood and burns it, if the blood reacts, then those people are a thing because the blood is its own individual life form trying to survive yeah so they tie up everybody and then he gets everybody's blood and one by one he goes through them burning the blood i think he unties windows first and windows get a flame Mm -hmm. gets a flamethrower then he does nalls and then nalls gets it oh no nalls is tied to the chair with gary and uh and and uh childs and palmer um well, no, it's it's child it's childs and Gary yeah. taped uh, tied up with Palmer, and then uh, Nalls is in the corner, fucking like on a tied up to a chair. Yeah. So they're arguing. Nobody believes that the test actually works, 
And then uh, Gary says, oh, this is bullshit. It doesn't prove anything. And then you get that line from McCready where he's just like, oh, I thought you would have said that. And it's and it's and it's it's so good because they're turning the conversation completely away from the test Mm because they're just arguing with each other. And and Max just kind of going through it. So you forget that Palmer hasn't said anything this whole time. And he's got Palmer's blood in his hand and he's talking about Gary. He's Uh, like, I thought you'd you'd like. At, react that way Gary like you're the only person that could have got to the blood so we'll do you last and he hits it and then the Boom. fucking the thing comes out of the blood this is pure nonsense doesn't prove a thing I thought you'd feel that way Gary you were the only one that could have got to that blood we'll do you last And then immediately, fucking Gary and Child's just like, "Fuck, yeah, get me out of this, get me out of this." And then fucking Palmer starts like his face starts melting, and then he starts fucking winging out, and then hits up on the ceiling, and then uh, Max fucking uh, flamethrower won't work, so he's fucking like, "Windows, blast him, come on, get him!" (laughs) And Windows is just like, like, dude, he's terrified, he's frozen in place. So then fucking Palmer's body comes down, his head opens up, he fucking eats Window's head and like lifts him around the room the whole time McCready's trying to McCready's trying to fucking get his fucking flamethrower to work and then Gary and Childs are still tied to that fucking couch just freaking the shit out. And then finally uh, McCready's able to light the thing on fire, the thing drops Window's in the corner... The thing on fire bursts out of the room into the snow. McCready follows it, throws a fucking dynamite at it, blows it up, comes back in, and Windows is already changing. He's already mm-hmm. fucking turning into the thing, and Childs and Gary and Nalls are, st- or, Nalls are still fucking tied up. And they're panicking, and then uh, McCready has to come back in and fucking light up fucking light up Windows. And then after that, it's... it's uh, it's a cool little thing where, like we like I was talking about in the book. In the book, I don't think you know if you're a thing or not. Even mm-hmm. if you are a thing, you you think you're still human. Yeah. And then you get that kind of sense in this scene because um, he's about to test Nalls. Nalls looks terrified. Like he doesn't know if he's gonna fucking turn mm-hmm. into a thing or not. And then he ends up uh, not being a thing. And then it just cuts instantly. Like he's got a flamethrower, and they're in front of Ch- uh, Childs and yeah. Gary. So then they do Childs, and then they do Gary, and then Gary gives them that whole spiel about, like, I know you've been through a lot, but mm. get me out of this fucking couch, or whatever. And, yeah, I think um, as far as, like, scenes that you could watch over and over again, those are probably the ones. Definitely, yeah. There are parts also that I really enjoy for how serious they make the rest of it. The last, like, 
really good part where I think it just puts the nail in the coffin almost figuratively and literally is at the end when um, the thing takes out the generator and almost everybody's dead except for Nalls, Gary, Childs, and McCready. Mm-hmm. But Childs is inside. They see him leave. The generator goes out and then McCready tells Gary and Childs like, oh, we're going to have to burn this place down. And he tells him. Got back inside and blew the generator. Six hours, it'll be a hundred below in here. Well, that's suicide. Not for that thing. Wants to freeze now. It's got no way out of here. Just wants to go to sleep in the cold until the rescue team finds it. What can we do? What can we do? Whether we make it or not, we can't let the thing freeze again. Maybe we'll just warm things up a little around here. not getting out of here alive the thing just wants to freeze again it wants till the rescue team comes to find it yeah and he tells them like we're not getting out of here alive so they go the rest of like i think like five ten minutes of the movie knowing they're dead like they're not they're not going to survive this like there's no there's no hope at all you're just gonna die um and that's just super gnarly and i always like watching it thinking like oh it's fucking that's super duper crazy like uh it's like they their plan was to burn it blow it up yeah but then it was also like even if we do kill this thing like because we don't know like we're gonna just go ahead and just x out every every possible place that we could like survive a storm in yeah yeah, yeah. and no matter what like we're gonna die out here yeah because everything's burnt to shit yeah it's there's no there's no coming back once once the generator gets taken out yeah and all that shit it's like it's kind of done yeah um it's yeah it's crazy so yeah then the movie kind of you know there's a big finale nalls disappears Gary gets killed by Blair, and then the fucking big-ass thing by itself comes out. McCready blows it up. The whole facility blows up, and then you see McCready come out of the fire. He sits down, and then Child shows up. Hmm. You the only one who made it? Not the only one. Did you kill it? Where were you, Charles? thought I saw Blair. I went out after him. Got lost in the storm. <laughs> Fire's got the temperature up all over the camp. Won't last long, though. Neither will we. How will we make it? Maybe we should. If you're worried about me. If we've got any surprises for each other. I don't think we're in much shape to do anything about it. Well. What do we do? Why don't we just... Wait here for a little while. See what happens. They sit down, and they're both a little suspicious of each other, but they start drinking together. 
<laughs> and they're just like, the fire's going to keep us alive for a while, but we're pretty much dead. Pretty so they start, they start drinking. And then the movie just ends like that. Yeah. Um, apparently, like I said, in the book, I think they survived the winter. They survived the spring. Um, and everything's fine. They kill all the things. There was an alternate ending that I was reading about um, that said, oh, McCready and McCready and Childs are things. Mm. And then when the rescue team comes in spring, they get on a helicopter and they're like, I think there was a line that's like, oh, where's the warm meal at? And then they fucking take off in the helicopter and then the oh. fucking thing takes them out. But John Carpenter was like, no, nah, I want it to be like, way less like i wanted to be more ambiguous to like you don't you don't know or whatever so um yeah that's pretty much the whole movie how it plays out uh if you like do you would you think that one of them was a thing or both of them were a thing at the end do i think yeah do i think they are yeah no i don't think so well when i was watching it um it looked like childs was like kind of bloated in his stomach. Yeah. Like, if he had, like, something growing inside him or, like, something about to burst out, but it, it's just a jacket, you know? Yeah. But, like, definitely, like, he gives off, like, this, like, vibe because he's so, like, like emotionless and, like... Yeah, yeah. But, um... I think... I think... I don't know. Maybe drinking would, like, activate the, the thing, no? No, I mean, if one of them was a thing and then, like, you drink something and then you give it to fucking because if i was childs and i saw mccready there and he passed me a drink i'd be like fuck yeah i ain't fucking drinking that shit yeah and just put my mouth where your mouth was oh, like true. fuck that yeah but i i honestly feel that they were both um they were both uh still human yeah um and then they just froze up there so yeah that's a little question that i've always had but um it's interesting to know other people's theories do you think that I kind of don't like how they he killed the thing so fast. What do you mean? Like how he just threw the dynamite and that was it. Like I felt like they that fight should have gone on a little bit longer. Like just for like the movie's sake. Yeah. Like it just happened. Like it came out. He saw it. He rolled, grabbed the dynamite, threw it. Yeah. Boom, I don't. I, I mean, they maybe they could have done something else. Maybe like a little chasing. Yeah. I, I know that they were over budget for that's one thing. Because originally it was twelve million, but the budget sprung up to six million because they were going to give them two hundred thousand mm. for special effects, but they ended up spending like one point five of it on special effects. Mm. So I know that there were certain scenes that were cut out specifically because of money. So maybe that's why they didn't do that. I think it works um, in the in like as far as the story goes. Maybe like a because I don't think McCready could have really done it, but if he's by himself now, so that thing fucking like it's gonna get him you know if he yeah. tangles with it too long mm. so maybe like a chase scene where he's trying to get away from it and, and everything but like an actual like him like fighting it i think he because like dude once it puts its like skin on your skin it starts molding on you and shit yeah. like that so just practice practicality wise i think he just needed to get the fuck out of there and like blow that shit up or whatever but yeah i don't know maybe maybe they didn't do it because of money money yeah. restrictions and Knowles is dead, you said, right? I would just, just imagine that he dead. that he is like either he blew up in the explosion or he got taken over because he goes to look for Gary and Gary just got killed by Blair. So oh, yeah. I'm assuming he fucking he bought the farm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the movie 
it just ends so abruptly like yeah. that and just I, I but, forgot that it ended that way. But I like I like it because yeah. it's just like, damn, bro. Like, uh, uh, I don't. There are certain movies when you get like a nice little ending, mostly like comedies and everything. I think work, but like for this type of movie, I think it's just so, so it's so isolating that the fact that it ends like that, where you're just all alone with two people, mm-hmm. it just it just plays into the theme of the movie like really really well. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much the whole movie. Um, there's something, oh, so we come to the part of the show, um, that's gotten more interesting in the last few episodes, but, um, this movie actually does have a prequel that they made in 2011, and we were talking about that a little bit before. Mm -hmm. I was upset with the movie. It has a pretty cool cast. Mary Elizabeth Winstead is in it. That one dude from Game of Thrones is in it. Um, some other Eric Christian Olsen's in it. I was hyped to see that movie, but I was also disappointed when it came out because, um, as some of you might know, uh, I am a aspiring screenwriter. So when I used to watch this movie like in high school and everything, I was like, oh, because you don't know what happened at the Norwegian camp, and this is way before this mo- the, the prequel came out. I was like, oh, I'd want to make yeah. that movie about fucking about uh about that camp because you don't know what happened and like uh that would be fucking awesome so i had my own ideas of like why the axe was in the door and why like that dude slit his throat and all this shit and how that thing ended up outside on the side and then that movie came out and i also uh what i was talking about the you know Maricone fucking score mm-hmm. with the alarm going off um and then the music being so close to it, uh, I remember uh, I had the idea of like writing it, and then I was like, "Oh, and if you make a trailer, you know, you build up the story a little bit, and then um, as things start going crazy, you having these flashes of like all this different shit going on, and then you do it to the beat of the alarm going off, the just like flashes of shit going on, and then at the height of it, the cuts out, and then it just goes to the fucking." The score. Dun, 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 dh, oh, yeah. And then, like, that's the end of the trailer. And then that movie came out, and they did that in the trailer. I was like, fuck! <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so the movie came out, and um, I was, like, I was telling you before, I I think that the movie captured the, like, the isolation, the paranoia. Like, everything about it was fucking cool, but... They rely heavily on CGI, whereas this movie has amazing practical effects that we've been talking about already. And apparently they, the directors and the producers, they they were huge fans of the original, so they wanted to do a lot of practical effects. But when the studio saw the footage from there, they're like, oh no, I think for today's audience we need more, like cgi and all this it'll just work better or whatever so they got fucked over by that and i think the movie suffered from it i think if it hadn't had that people would have enjoyed it a lot more oh and so like we were saying earlier um i've shown this movie to quite a few people and a lot of people really really like it but i've had some like stink reactions to it or whatever when the prequel was coming out I was like really hyped and excited and uh, my ex-girlfriend at the time we were hanging out with two of our other friends that were dating and we're like oh we're excited for this movie to come out because we really like the original and then we showed it to them and they were like 
they didn't hate it, but they're like, oh, this is kind of corny and oh, blah, God. blah. I was like, dude, you guys suck. But, uh, yeah, so there's a prequel. And then I didn't know. Apparently, there's, like, sequel comic books. I was unaware of those. But there was also a sequel video game for PlayStation 2, which was really fun. And I <laughs> remember you, you basically, you're a rescue team. And you show up, like, a month after the events of the movie. And if my memory serves correctly, like you can explore the grounds and you can go and you find uh, Childs and McCready frozen in the oh, snow shit. like outside. Um, but it was a really fun game and it, and it plays like the mechanics of it and like how it plays out, plays a lot like how the movie's like, oh, if somebody leaves and they come back, you have to kind of be suspicious mm. of them and like a bunch of other stuff. It's, That's it, cool. It was a really cool game. Um, but if you personally where like you're a producer and you get the rights to the thing are you going to do a remake a prequel or a sequel mm, probably probably a remake a remake really yeah a remake but with like practical effects would you have like all the same characters in there like another mccready you gotta, yeah. you gotta have that. Would 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 you do his son? You know his son, that like he's like a blonde guy. Kurt Russell's son. Yeah, Kurt Russell's son. Have you ever seen him? No. You might have seen him in some stuff. Have you ever seen uh, Twenty Two Jump Street? No, I don't think so. Okay, he's in that. He was recently in that show, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. He plays fucking like the new Captain America. Mm-hmm. Um. Or U.S. agent, I guess, and then, but he he kind. I was actually when we were watching it, I was looking at Kurt Russell, and I was like, oh, you could totally tell it's like his son, mm-hmm. but his son's like he's a lot more blonde, but he's got the beard and he's got the fucking piercing blue eyes and shit. I could see him in in that role now. But if you if from actors that you know, like who would you cast as as, Mc, as McCready, McCready now? Uh, Kevin Costner. Oh my god. <laughs> um. No, fucking hey, that's a good that's a good question. New actors, yeah, I, somebody around like if you were making that movie, if you like got the green light and you had to start casting it like today, oh, I think I, I, got, I think I got mine. I don't know, man. Go ahead. I think I'd go Chris Hemsworth. Okay, yeah, I, I think he could. Pull I could see that he could grow the beard. You know what movie he's in that I really really enjoyed where he's just kind of like a badass. Did you ever see Extraction? Yeah, it was yeah, sick. Yeah, yeah. From that movie, I feel like he could he could do that thing where he's like. He kind of cares about people, but he also just fucking killing machine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think you can do that. So you do the remake. I think I, I would still do my prequel. I would try because as, as, as much as I did enjoy that prequel, like the story and what they did with it, like just the set pieces, like I used to think about it a lot. So like going in there, things are blown out. Like I said, that dude killed himself. He locked himself in a room. Then then they find that axe in the door, mm-hmm. and they do that in in the prequel thing. They show like where how the axe got there. I don't think they ever show that dude kill himself in that movie. Now mm-hmm. that I think about it, um, and then they show the fucking um, the uh, how that thing gets outside, which is pretty gnarly in that movie. But I just had ideas for how I would do it before. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I'd still go prequel. Okay, it would just be a, a fun and interesting little thing to do. I did, I got a question for you. Yeah. Did you ever wonder where or what's the origin of those aliens? Like what, like on their planet, like what they're like? So I I thought about I thought about that. 
um, thinking about like what its true form is, like what does yeah. it actually look like? Mm-hmm. Um, I also thought, what if whatever civilization um, that is, like what, like what if um, it's another like sentient like humanoid type that was their ship and they're on that ship. And then they, it's almost like alien. Yeah. They, they find it on a planet. It gets on their ship. It killed everybody on their ship. And then that ship crashes on earth. And then also that's another thing. When I first started watching this movie, like a lot, I think I watched it on cable. Um, and I saw it maybe like 15, 20 minutes in. So I didn't see the beginning where you see the fucking spaceship like crash and into Mm -hmm. earth. So I always thought like, and after seeing it over and over again from the beginning, I always thought like, oh, it'd be kind of like cooler if they didn't have that part at the beginning. So you kind of just, yeah, you don't know what's going on the whole time. But um, yeah, I thought about that. Like, yeah, like an alien situation. They found it on a planet, killed the entire crew, and then the thing just crashed. Or like another thing, like uh, maybe this alien ended up on somebody else's planet, and then they put it on the ship and sent it into space because they didn't want it. Mm. anywhere near their civilization or anything yeah. like shit like that i was thinking like uh like a prometheus type of thing where that that was a weapon that, yeah yeah that yeah, they yeah. Had, yeah, right? yeah no no it makes a lot makes yeah. a lot of sense um it's just it's just weird it's it's strange in the prequel they go onto the ship and because the alien's trying to take off in its ship oh. so the alien is in that movie it's it's that's its ship it, it came there like on its own fucking and it kind of makes sense too a little bit too because uh in the movie when they go into blair's cabin and they go underground they're like oh shit it's been building a ship so obviously Mm. that thing's smart enough and aware enough to like put together like a space another spaceship or whatever how weird like like that's its form like you know like it doesn't even look like it's intelligible or able to even like no and see and see that's the weird thing it's like i think it's like it's just completely like mal like i guess you'd say malleable it just adapts to whatever's around it but i mean to use like the tools that we have to build a ship underneath there it would have to use like regular person's hands and like Mm. a bunch of other shit but to like how they built i don't know it's it's weird thinking about it especially when you watch the prequel and you see the inside of its ship and like how everything works inside of it it's it's very strange the alien is so it's so abstract and it's like yeah when i was you can't really figure out yeah when i was watching the thing transform like all the different times i was like this thing is just like pure chaos yeah yeah, it's just like there's no and it's like attaching itself to like like colors and shapes there's like teeth in parts of it there's eyeballs there's a bunch of that it's just really weird which i think was a specific choice from the from like carpenter and um and the um special effects guy it's very metal before metal was like death metal yeah and like (laughs) all those guys watch these movies and that's what i was thinking too when i was watching i was like all the guys that that were to start death metal bands later because this was 82 right so this is like metallica was barely coming out yeah so those guys were all young young kids watching that movie and they're like fuck and then they heard Metallica, and they're like, "Fuck!" <laughs> and then you know, death metal was born. Basically, like I really feel like 
they took a lot from horror. Oh no, for sure. Without and, a then, doubt. and was like, let's look at put look, this... at, look at their fucking album cover. Yeah, and shit. album cover, yeah. and then let's make the music just as gross and nasty as. Yeah, it's just you know? reaching out all yeah. over and fucking making all sorts of weird noises and everything. Yeah, it's 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 really strange. And like they got they talk a lot about that in the book. I remember because they understand what the creature is once it starts taking people over. And then I think there's like a whole like inner monologue that either like Blair and McCready has where they're trying to, uh, from, from my memory, I think there's a lot of journaling in that book too. And they're trying, they're trying to think about what this creature's natural form is. Like mm-hmm. it crashed, it froze in the ice and they're wondering if that, that thing inside it's got like blue hairs and like red eyes. And they're trying to think like, Oh, is that what it actually looked like? looks like or is that just the last thing that it saw before it crashed you know mm-hmm. and it's it's fucking really creepy yeah it is super creepy and and just to think that like if it didn't make the mainland like that should happen like imagine like you're a you're a parent and uh you just put your fucking little girl to sleep and then like you you like oh no so let's say there's like a, a wife and a father and then the father's like oh i'll go put her to sleep or whatever and then like fucking the wife and the father are like awake after a while a little bit and then they hear something in the daughter's room they're like oh i'll go check on her yeah so the dad goes in there and then fucking uh the dad goes in there and then fucking like the wife's sitting there for a while he doesn't come back and then so she goes in the room and then like Imagine just seeing your fucking daughter on top of your like husband, just like yeah, part of him, and like reaching into yeah. him, and then just tentacles coming out, just like what the fuck? <laughs> and you would, and you would think too, like if it if it took enough, if it was like close enough to the form, and you couldn't understand what was going on, yeah, and it's your daughter, like you would run up you to him, like baby, close. what's yep. wrong? What's wrong? Like, what's then, happening? And then you're done. done, and then you're done. Police show up. Saints, they don't have flamethrowers. I know. <laughs> they just got guns. I think the moral of the story is here, all police should have flamethrowers. Yeah, it's like, they're going to shoot that thing and it's going to still come at yeah, you. Yeah, it's yeah, going to yeah. kill them. Or they're, like, they're going to shoot it, it's going to pretend to be dead, mm. coroner's going to come, put it in a body bag, and then the yep. hospital's overrun with oh, the thing. Like, yeah. That's a sequel too. Yeah. Makes it to the mainland and then this thing is like on glo- on a global scale. Yeah, That'd be fucking crazy. There, there's this, um, speaking of metal, uh, there's this band Destruction from Germany. Mm-hmm. They have an album cover that, when I was watching it, it reminded me of it. It's called Release from Agony. Can we see it? Can I see it? Yeah. They, oh, they, no, dude. I could see yeah. that for sure. Yeah. That is creepy as fuck. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, and, and like, that, that too is like, imagine that thing. I mean, it seems to be a very intelligent being. It could act in, and that's one thing that I always, that I always tripped on like okay so if it becomes you mm-hmm. does it have your memories because it, it, like let's say because he asked that right he's like if it's me how how, how would, would how would you know it was it was me yeah yeah because like for instance like let's say we're gonna film this thing or we're gonna do this thing today and before you got here the fucking thing landed in my backyard i got taken over and then you show up and I can't take you over because other people are here or whatever. Mm-hmm. And fucking, we're talking like, are, am I going to remember who you are and like mm-hmm. the experiences that we had and everything? Because otherwise, you'd probably be like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, this guy's acting weird. Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think it does. Um, because each time that 
those people are overtaken by the thing, they're all very just like like just like robotic and just like no well not no not necessarily so like in the okay so think about how Palmer and Knowles act when they're trying to lock McCready out mm-hmm. like Palmer I think I in my head the thing is trying to sow distrust in the people because he's like oh people went missing blah blah and he's like at windows where were you and blah blah mm-hmm. like and at that point Palmer's a thing he's yeah. already a thing and so is Knowles and Knowles is like when he sees, uh, not Nulls, uh Norris is already a thing. Mm-hmm. When he sees Nulls coming back, he calls them. And he's like, "Hey, hey, guys!" And then he starts. And that's another thing. Like maybe the thing, like it's hard to keep human form because he starts like, "Oh, oh!" And then he passes out, and then that's why they have to do the operation on him. So it's it's a real weird. Like, it's got like a certain amount of time. Yeah, yeah. like maybe it hurts to stay in like yeah, that form or something true. like that. Like, I don't know. It's weird, but that that idea that that um the thing is smart enough to try and turn people against each other and like sow doubt in people so that you could split people up or like get the upper hand on it. Yeah, is an interesting concept. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's fucking super creepy. Uh, that's one of the most terrifying situations I can imagine being in ever. Definitely. Yeah, that was a thing. I enjoyed that one. I enjoy talking about that movie with Hell people yeah. as much as possible. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. If you haven't seen it, make sure you go out and rent it. Um, it can be rented on pretty much any platform. I don't think it's streaming on anything right now. I checked before this. Um, but it's it's an awesome movie. And uh, yeah. What, it, what about the prequel? Where can people find that? Where can I find it? I want to watch it. Um, I, uh, I'm sure you could rent it on platforms. I don't think it's streaming on anything because oh. when I looked, it, it didn't say that there it was on anything. But yeah, you could, like, I usually when I can't find something, it, it's three ninety nine on YouTube to rent a movie. It's okay. it's pretty much the same thing. You get it for a couple days, so you can watch it a couple times if you want. But um, yeah, it's it's a great movie. The prequel is pretty cool too, but I think it just lacks that that um that wholesomeness of the original to use practical effects and that one's yeah. but it's pretty fun stars uh joel edgerton and mary elizabeth winstead um but yeah that was the thing 1982 had a lot of fun doing it but yeah for uh play it again man i'm steven valdez jason brunez and we will see you at the movies guys have a good one later yo 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 yo! what's up guys it's steven here that was a really really fun episode to do i love that movie so much if you guys haven't seen it make sure you go out and watch it it's an awesome movie great to watch this time of year around halloween time um me and jason really really want to thank you you guys probably noticed that there's an ad at the beginning of our podcast now and that's because you guys have been tuning in week after week and we could start to monetize and start to get better equipment and cameras and everything so we could set up our youtube and we can set up a twitter and a bunch of other stuff and have guests on with more microphones and everything so please please keep tuning in follow us on instagram at play it again man underscore pod and interact with us ask us questions uh tell us what movies you want in the messages and you can follow us on tiktok if you're into that sort of thing at the same name we don't have our twitter up yet we don't have our youtube up yet but that stuff is going to come up very very soon so thank you again so so much and we hope you enjoyed this episode and we will see you next week at the movies